0: Hi, I'm Sophie, and you're listening to Navigating New York, a podcast where I chat with people living and working in one of the most fast-paced cities in the world. Through these conversations, I hope to make living in the Big Apple a little less overwhelming. As the song goes, if you can make it here, you'll make it anywhere. So whether you're living here now, planning to move, or just interested in hearing real stories from people pursuing that American dream, I hope that you enjoy On this week's podcast, I'm changing it up a little bit because it is St. Patrick's week and I thought what better way to celebrate and promote Irish people navigating New York than speak to three people who are paving their own way here with their own businesses. So today you will hear three interviews with three inspiring people who tell me a little about how and why they each took the jump to working for themselves what each business provides and how, as business owners, they have navigated and remodelled their business plans over the past 12 months. So first up is Katie Daly, who owns her own boutique tourism company, Katie Daly's Ireland. Katie Daly's Ireland is an Ireland destination specialist that captures Ireland, its people and its experiences in carefully handcrafted, custom-made unique tours for individuals and small groups. After Katie, you'll hear from Cahill Muir, who owns his own audio visual company, Muir PA Hire, New York City's premier production company. They are specialists in virtual event streaming, studio and green screen, audio, visual and lighting rentals in the New York metropolitan area and virtually. And finally, we will be hearing from Sarah Riney, who runs the fabulous Clover and Ivy Events, which is a US based wedding and event planning business. They provide full or partial planning services for weddings and events in New York, Connecticut and overseas in Ireland. They work with clients to build custom packages to suit their budget requirements and to provide a seamless and memorable experience for any event. I think that when things open up, we'll all be excited to get out and support Irish owned businesses that have really pulled through the past year. And these three business owners have really inspired me to remember, always stick to your goal, be creative and what you put into something you'll eventually get out. I hope you are as inspired as I am from their approach to navigating their own careers in New York City. Katie Daly, I am thrilled to have you on Navigating New York on the eve of St. Patrick's Day to learn about your tourism business, Katie Daly's Ireland. So let's start out by having you introduce yourself, where you're from and when you moved to New York originally. Thanks Sophie, I'm delighted to be here with you today and thank you for having me. I'm
1: from Kells in County Mead. The Royal County. Lovely. And I find it hard to believe I moved here in 94. I'm actually longer in New York than I lived in Ireland. I moved here in April of 94 at the young age of 22. So, quite some
0: time ago. Katie, I want to firstly ask you a little bit about Katie Daly's Ireland and the services that you provide um, and when, when you actually started the business, Katie Daly's Ireland. So timing is everything, Sophie,
1: and I started the business just in October 2019. So it's just almost <laughs> six months pre-COVID. Yes. And Katie Daly's Ireland, it's a private company, Obviously, I'm I'm the owner of the company. So we offer private, bespoke personal tours to Ireland, say for individuals and for small, just small groups, not big coach tours, just more private bespoke tours. Mm -hmm. As the name suggests, it's just Ireland. We just deal exclusively with travel to Ireland.
0: So obviously, Katie, it's such it's so hard that you started the business in October, six months before the COVID pandemic. And we won't get bogged down by how that has really affected your business. But I know from following you online on all of your amazing social media pages, Twitter and your Instagram in particular. Firstly, the imagery that you provide of Ireland, it like makes my heart just sing it you have such uh even though i'm from ireland obviously and a lot of our listeners are from ireland the way that you seem to have a knowledge there's p- things that you post on your page that i've places i've never seen or never realized i always hear myself saying like because i'm from you know the mountains of Mourne and county down and i never appreciated just how beautiful ireland was until i i left it was that sort of a similar case for you that when you moved to new york all those years ago was it that you really missed ireland or that you felt that other people had To experience it in a way that's more unique. And as as you mentioned there, those big coach tours and stuff can probably be a bit generic. I think it's really special that your tours are more hand picked. And how do you go about doing that for your client?
1: I think, Sophie, when I moved here first, like as I say, I was just 22. Mm -hmm. So prior to starting my career, I did everything. I did everything that a young Irish immigrant does in New York Mm -hmm. and, and learned and loved every minute of it. And I did move back to Ireland for sure period of time and on one of my trips I kind of thought about the idea of going back to school mm-hmm. and uh, tourism was this is you know over 20 years ago so there was a course in Brew Street it was a new course at the time in tourism and marketing and I was lucky enough I got to apply as a mature student even though I was only 25 I think at the time mm-hmm. so I did a four-year degree course in tourism marketing at the time and I loved every minute of it i love 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 dealing with people i moved back to the states then i was back and forth kind of all the time over the four years for summers and that And I moved back to New York to do my placement. So I was lucky enough to do a placement with, it was Board Forge at the time, it's now Mm -hmm. Tourism Ireland. And I continued to work there for about two years. So I worked in the public sector and then I worked for a private company for over 16 years. Mm -hmm. So I've had over 20 years experience in the industry. And I think it's just been like, for me, I absolutely love what I do. I love selling Ireland and thank you for, for coming. And on Instagram and, and Twitter, because I've had some Irish people like say to me, "You you make me really want to go and see my own country," which <laughs> I I think it's it, that can be a pretty hard sell sometimes. So and as Irish people, a lot of the time we go back to where we're from. We're visiting friends. We're visiting family. So it's great to see some Irish people actually wanting to go and see and tour Ireland.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel that way myself. Whenever, again, as I say, that you're you the way you promote ireland and you're an ambassador for ireland's tourism industry which unfortunately has been the hardest hit of all industries in covid and i admire so much the way that you've reshaped your business plan and your business model to have a long-term goal and and continue you know because as as we're we're seeing in all of these irish tourism webinars and stuff that ireland is still going to be there and it's going to be even more welcoming to tourists and and especially as you say that element of going to ireland like i often hear Irish American people saying oh I went to Ireland and I went to Dublin and it's like I went to Dublin and they didn't go anywhere else or see anywhere else but I think what you really do is you promote those other counties and and just on that what do you think some of the more popular or or maybe more less known spots and tourism destinations are in Ireland at the moment that you might have found in your own experience
1: I mean, there's so much to talk about kind of what to do and what to see in Ireland. And, you know, a lot of people in terms of, say, the Irish experiential brands, like the Wild Atlantic way, Sophie goes from Malinhead all the way to Consaille, the longest coastal route in the world, which is so hard to believe. We have Ireland's ancient east, 15 counties, 5,000 years of history. Hidden heartlands would be more rural. You know, Northern Ireland, embrace a giant spirit. It's a whole new brand that, that was launched pre-covid and of course dublin our capital city you can be in downtown dublin and 20 minutes later be out in Dublin mountains or mm. by the coastline so there is so much to offer the visitor I think one of people come to Ireland to meet Irish people and that's a huge part of what I do is really connect Irish people with overseas visitors in a variety of different tours and I think one of the things though that's pretty amazing is the Irish food I think the whole Irish food experience has just come on Ireland is now kind of one of the most talked about food destinations in europe mm. from michelin star restaurants to gastro bars we celebrate food from food festivals to food tours to like you could do a seaweed workshop crockery class there's just so many ways to celebrate food and a lot of what i was what i was doing say pre-covid was including so many different food experiences for our clients you know really trying to get people to immerse themselves in in our Ireland's food culture, which Mm. is pretty amazing. As I say, we're an island with pure natural ingredients. And the one way to celebrate a different culture is to really immerse yourself in the food culture of the nation.
0: Absolutely. And you're totally right. I can never get over when I'm home just how nice the food is, how fresh, how organic, everything's locally sourced. And again, that's another thing that you always show off so well on your social media pages. And I actually was on Twitter the other day. I laughed at a tweet I saw about petrol stations in Ireland. You know, even you can get the most tasty sandwich or chicken roll or anything in the delis that are in like the the gas stations in Ireland no matter if you're in a small little village or in your a rural area there's always going to be fresh locally sourced food in Ireland and then yeah Kitty when you're working with your clients and you're trying to curate their Irish experience what way do you do that do you kind of have a consultation with them see what it is that they're after and then plan from there I
1: think really it's important for me it's very important and I try and speak to clients I think that the whole personal experience that I'm Irish I'm in New York, I have 20 years experience in the industry and I have a great relationship with suppliers, with the suppliers on the ground in Ireland. And I've spent, like, the last 20 years, I've travelled a lot in the States on a lot of different workshops with tourism suppliers. So I've 20 years, as I say, of relationships with folks in Ireland. So it's very important for me, if possible, to speak to people first. Like, a lot of my clients are, say, again, kind of pre-COVID. I had people lined up to go to Ireland for honeymoons. I had retirees, you know, young people as well, young people that wanted to to go and experience kind of a different, this new immersive Ireland that just didn't have time. A lot of people, it's a huge thing that you can shop on the internet all, all day, but it's very, very time consuming. And my favorite markets really is probably multi-generation groups. So maybe granny and grandad are either of Ireland or of Irish descent, and they're bringing the whole family to Ireland. So that's a really lovely tour to do because you're trying to incorporate the older generation and the you know the younger generation all they want is to make sure they're connected to wi-fi and you're really (laughs) challenged with showing them you know a beautiful Irish experience so for me it's great like you know I could get an email thinking of going to Ireland with my family that could be it and I connect then. and as I say try and speak to somebody back in the old days sometimes if it was in New York we'd try and meet because it's always nice just to kind of sit down and get a real Feel of people and and you know what exactly it is they're going back to. Why are they going back to Ireland? Ten percent of Americans are of Irish descent. There's thirty two million people in in the states that are of Irish descent. So that's a huge market. So most of the people that we book trips to are of Irish descent Um, and it's you know it's a pretty amazing thing to do is to kind of put together this trip of a lifetime for them back to the homeland so you know and I think I think it's really important that they get to speak to somebody to get to speak to a real person. Mm -hmm. I I think anybody that has had to cancel with the machine post-COVID or during COVID like I've had to do, it's it's you know, it can be very, very challenging so it just makes it a more personal experience when they actually get to speak to somebody from start to finish.
0: Absolutely, because I was thinking about that, like the sort of, for want of a better way to put it, but like the death of the travel agent, you know, like you know yeah. in the last sort of 10 to 20 years, everything is booked online via website and yeah. we've all run into trouble, we've all had things that weren't booked properly or, or refund things that we I think everyone's going to be much more careful going forward about how they book things and what the refund or cancellation policies and stuff are and I actually think Brian my fiance and I were chatting about this the other day you know anything that you have to try to do these days if you're trying to get in touch with your internet provider or your phone service provider it's all online And we actually were saying we miss speaking to somebody on the phone, you know, just to have the conversation. And often I think that the generation we're in now in this culture of one click here, one click there and really, really fast information. It can be detrimental sometimes to the more finer details. And especially if you're trying to have an experience that the person your client is spending money on, you know, and they want to get the best out of it. So I think that the service you provide is super unique and really important when planning something so important as like a trip of the lifetime or a honeymoon or a family gathering and the other thing I was wanting to ask you Katie was everybody in from Ireland thinks that their own county is the most scenic and I will say I think County Down is the most scenic and I have friends from Kerry I have friends from Cork who think they're the real capital and I and people from Mayo and Galway and Donegal and all these gorgeous places where would you say as a tourism expert is the most scenic county in Ireland, will you call it for us?
1: Very, very hard. And I know for me, (laughs) going back to Ireland over the years, yes, of course, I love going home. I love just getting on the road. I love leaving Dublin Airport and getting on the road home. There's nothing quite like it. But I, you know, again, pre-COVID, I had a fabulous trip home. I did a whole tour kind of, of the West Coast and down to Kerry. I loved Connemara. I loved the wild, rustic Connemara. There was just Mm. something, you know, amazing and peaceful and tranquil about it. And then travelling further down the coast, we got to Killarney. And I have to say, I really did love the buzz in Killarney. For me, it was nice and night We had a night there. It was fabulous. And then we kind of went out further. Out onto the Ring of Kerry, which was pretty amazing. Uh, Just every part of Ireland, I think, just offers something unique. Some of the hardest decisions to make for clients is just, you know, if they say we just have seven nights. Yeah that can be you know very very challenging to try and get them to see as much of Ireland as they can and we don't want like we don't want people either just spending their time in the car or no even if they do have a driver and guide which a lot of our clients have their own private driver and guide you know we want them to sit back and relax and enjoy and not to be on the road all the times but yeah the last as I say, the last trip home um I I think I just, it's, I I really, Connemara just was pretty amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah. we used to go, well, we went when we, a couple of times when we were younger, in the summer, our holiday would have been, because I'm one of seven, as you know, we wouldn't have been going to like Lanzarote, we would have all been thrown into the car and Dad would start driving us down towards we'd be in Westport and Mayo, we'd be Killarney, all that sort of west coast of Ireland. And it used to be it felt like we were in a different country, Do you know, like the beautiful scenery there along the west coast is something else. And then even in 2015, when I was home for the Rosa Trulli, I'd never done any sort of tour of Ireland, really, you know, just other than those little destination trips. But like we passed through. Leitrim, for instance, we stayed in Loughran Castle and I'd never seen anything as beautiful as Loughran Castle in Leitrim. And I never had even heard of Loughran. Some of the other places we stopped on the way from Dublin to Kerry and every day it was just like you're in Longford, somewhere I never really would have even thought about going to and Longford again gorgeous gorgeous county so I think you're Absolutely. completely right yeah. yeah and it's all about what people want I'm sure and that's what's great about your service because some people will want that sort of city buzz or that urban kind of experience and others will want the rural so again it's amazing that you can provide all different options for people so Kitty, I ask all of my guests what their top tips are for people living and working here who are trying their best to navigate New York so do you have any top tips for us and Sophie,
1: I think it's important to have a good group of supportive friends. I think, as immigrants here, your friends are your family. Yeah. Uh, so get connected get a good group of friends you know maybe join a club you know and as I say your your friends are your new family here and I think it's also important you know that people realize they may not land the dream job or arrive in their chosen career immediately I've kind of done everything here I'm here since I was 22 and I've tried my hand at everything and now I'm in I'm in a career that I really love but it's taken you know it's taken a while to get where I am so you, you're not going to land the dream job immediately. Try your hands at everything. You're always going to learn from the different jobs that you do and you're always going to meet people along the way. I'm still friendly with people that I used to waitress with 20 years ago. So mm. I just think it's important to to know that. And I also think it's great. New York is, there's so many things to do in New York for people arriving, like just get out and explore as much as you can, when you can.
0: Yes, I agree so much with everything you've just said, Katie, especially making connections, even in your job that is just your for now job because you never know when those connections are going to come through for you in another way or in another chapter of your life here. So exactly. absolutely, I love that. So perfect answer. And then, so Katie, just to finish up, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about Katie Daly's Ireland?
1: Great, so the website is KatieDalysIreland.com. Very plain, very simple. Look, right now we're looking really for, hopefully, travel to Ireland in the fall of 2021. But actually, we are actively booking travel this for 2022. Mm -hmm. so reach out call
0: me i'm in new york send me an email and as you mentioned i'm on all
1: social media channels too
0: amazing katie and i will make sure to put all your social media channels and it's great to get an idea of the forecast for travel and that people are booking in 2022 and hopefully this year you know we will see i think there's a bit of a a feeling around that summer could be a potential what do you think about summer travel to ireland i think it could be more been realistic a, a tourism-oriented webinar this
1: morning. I think it's going to be more mid to end summer okay i think fall and we already have bookings for fall which is brilliant which is great and it's also a beautiful time to travel to ireland you know i think that's one thing that we're seeing more and more of is the season is extending Mm -hmm. more and more we're not just constricted there is ireland is open 12 months of the year now there is something to do festivals events celebrations the whole year round so that's kind of something that's that people should definitely think of it's not just summer season so um yeah. but I'd say maybe towards mid mid to end summer hopefully we will see the international tourism reopening for Ireland
0: brilliant Katie well thank you so much for your time today this was so informative and I can't wait to see all of the future travel that happens through Katie Daly's Ireland so thanks so much for giving me the time today my pleasure thanks again for having me so Aww, thank you Cahill, firstly, thank you so much for giving me the time to come onto the podcast and uh, talk a little bit about yourself and your company Moor PA Hire. It's March, it's March Madness, so you're a busy man, um, so I really appreciate it. So first off, I'd just like you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your journey to New York.
2: Absolutely, and thanks for having me on on this uh, podcast. I'm really thrilled that you thought of inviting me on in the first place. My name is Kahal Moore, I know we're tight in time. My, my name is Kahal Moore, I'm from, uh, originally from Carrickenshine, County Leitrim. I've been here since June 1988. I originally thought I was going to come for three months and kind of fell in love with New York and the energy and the potential of it and so here I am a mere are 32 33 years later
0: just <laughs> like that that is I can't believe you are here that long Cal I didn't yeah, know yeah. that yeah. so tell me a little bit about your career and how yeah. um, you know obviously now you have Mer PA higher but what was the story before that
2: so I've played in pub bands since I was you know teenager always played in pubs always was always thrilled by music and uh, participate in a lot of musical stuff at home came over here found that the the engineering job that I had wasn't enough to to get me through so I turned to the old reliable the, the bar band and so we played in this band called Wavelength for many many years but towards the end of it I saw potential where a lot of bands were coming out from Ireland but I had the uh, strange idea one night that these bands coming from Ireland wouldn't be able to bring the sound system on the plane with them and so I said oh maybe they'll hire it off an Irish guy who's here and that was my concept and I was told at the time by two people very close to me Uh, that I was crazy and I said no I I don't think so no I'm going to try it and there we are so once I started doing the likes of we'll say Ghost stone Shave, Saw Doctors, multiple Irish bands next thing the need for lighting arose and I I, uh, initially hired an American lighting company I learned from them my guru is from Cork City his name is Mark Atkins and he said You know, you could do what this guy is doing. I said, I could. He says, Yeah. So I had a lot of help, a lot of inspiration, a lot of guidance along the way. And that made a significant difference. And then when I found myself doing it, I said, Oh, yeah, I can do it. You know, so we then followed on by adding video for for, at the time was just video playback, then turned into video recording. And then it turned into multi camera video recording. and, And ultimately the occasional stream here and there, although the emphasis was more so on the event itself as opposed to the you know sending the information out to the people you would archive it using the cameras blah 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 so we were well and truly situated for this when the pandemic came mm. uh, I already had the equipment I got coronavirus in late March my wife mm. says that's it you upstairs now to the bedroom <laughs> so I was up there I uh, listened to ambulances going back and forth wondering you know was this my ambulance or what was going to happen then I heard Chris Cuomo saying that he had a a mild case of coronavirus. And I said, oh, maybe you have a mild case. So my head started spinning around. I said, well, if all these venues are closed and I have the equipment, why don't I convert my warehouse space on Woodside into a space where we can use that equipment? Then I started reaching out to the bands that I'd known and worked with for you know the 15 to 20 plus years that have been doing this and they came on board you know trusting me and so that the reconnection was through the network of people that I'd already worked with and I think that that is super super important I I reached out to each and every single person and the stepping stone approach really was is how I explain it to people where you take one step for like you did your first podcast you know mm-hmm. and you take your first step you see how it goes if you make a mistake no big deal you learn from it you sit down and then you take the next step and you, you take four or five steps and you you're starting to make a path stand back and and review and hopefully that path is in the right direction that works for you because you know these ideas can and do happen do take shape i've done corporate events up the yin yang over the years and a lot of them were like huge corporations where it all starts somewhere You know, and it starts from from an idea and then it continues with hard work.
0: Cahill, there's so much in what you've just said that I could ask you about, and the first time I met you was at an event that you were doing all of the production for, and the production level of some of these corporate events in New York City, I thought, these are amazing. Like, you know, the visuals, the video, the audio, the lighting, there must be, like, I wonder who this big company is, and there it would be you, Cahill, with Jack, <laughs> you know, handling all elements of these enormous, large-scale, really professional events and doing it, you know, top-class production and i think you know you you probably don't give yourself enough credit for how much hard work that takes and you know I think what's what's coming through in in your story so far is that you don't let yourself get overwhelmed and you take one step at a time and and your experience in New York has been so fast because of that how did you deal firstly with probably the daunting feeling whenever live events which was your you know bread and butter for your company when they were all beginning to be cancelled is did you have a few days of or weeks or months of panic Mm -hmm. before you started to reshape your your company?
2: I certainly did. It was actually I was given the ultimate challenge by my wife, and mm-hmm. uh, she she woke up on Saturday morning when everything was getting cancelled. You know, the, I wake up and there was a list of emails. You know, no, we're going to postpone, we're going to cancel, and it, the, the cancellations actually started happening in early February. And uh, she said to me, "You better figure this out." <laughs> <And I> said, <laughs> So exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was the, uh, that was the momentum to sit down and figure it out and to apply myself, not to sit back and wait for someone else to figure it out for me. I've always been, I'm from a family of five in Ireland. My father's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, my mother's a nurse. My sister's a nurse, and there's me. Yeah. So, and, and they all live in Ireland. The wild, you're the wild card. I'm afraid so. You know, and so <laughs> you have to, you have to own it. You have to own up to it and say, well, you know, if I'm if I've chosen this path, then I better get stuck in and, and do it. And and thank you for your very kind words on the execution of these events. We do pride ourselves the fact that by applying ourselves, by coming up with a good plan and ex- executing that plan, generally we're doing events that would require double or I've seen, you know, triple the numbers depending on the situation. So I like to maintain a a lean aspect. I like to maintain an efficient organization, you know, and Mm -hmm. so that is... Not, not just uh, one person doing one job if i'm doing 10 jobs then i expect everyone else to do you know two or three double up and and apply themselves and, and stay busy and stay focused and know that they've made a, a contribution to a successful event as well
0: mm, absolutely and i think that's what's really important and it's something i'm certainly learning from everyone i have on the podcast is often the most successful people aren't the ones who are super lavish and are are showing off how successful they are but they're working hard behind the scenes, and you are the epitome of that. You do all the jobs that require being done in order to make an event successful. And then afterwards, you can sort of reap the rewards of, as you say, you know, proof is in the pudding, the production has been phenomenal, and then you're going to get, you know, more business from that. So just to take it back a little bit, what are exactly the services that Mura PA Hire provide for clients?
2: Well, we're an audiovisual uh, rental delivery and operation company. You know, I wouldn't necessarily have put us forward as consultants, but essentially that's what I end up doing is consulting someone, you know, a client will come up to us and uh, say, I-, I like to get their plan first, mm-hmm. to listen first. Uh, the listen first approach, as someone quoted me recently, um, is, is the model that I use where we know how to do it no matter what shape size color duration the event is no matter where it is but we want to execute your plan for you that you're bringing to the table as a client and then from there we'll make suggestions um and sometimes you know these event organisers are experienced, and sometimes they're not. And I am quite happy if they if they are experienced. They're quite happy to remain in the background and follow this well you know well written out plan and just be a small cog in the field. I'm totally happy with that. Mm-hmm. If, however, I find that the ship is sailing you know round in circles and not getting to to where it needs to go i um, will definitely step in there to make sure that you know we do achieve the combined objective because it does once again the stepping stone approach it'll reflect back Mm
3: -hmm. on me
2: it'll reflect back on the company Mm -hmm. and the the goodwill that we've built up in the the 20 plus years is something that you can be sure will pop up it's it might sound like a big city but it's actually a very small city the circuit is very small and, and that is something to be very very aware of that do your best each and every single time. You will get noticed. If you think that you're taking a shortcut and no one notices, you're going to get found out, <laughs> and that will come and bite you in, in the you know where when <laughs> you least want and expect it. So I, I've had like over the years, I've had people say to me, "Oh my God, I checked with three or four different people, and every single recommendation was back to you." And I said, oh, "Great." So then I would know that they're in the palm of my hand. And say, okay, let's sit down and talk about your event. I like to not put as much of an emphasis on the, on the finance mm-hmm. and not let the finance become a stopping point. Everyone has their own level of finance. You know, big corporations have a different level of finance than small individuals. And so, and, and also we donate as well to a certain extent over the years to the schools, to the school musicals. They're very, very close to my heart being, you know, having two teachers in the family. So mm-hmm. I like to support those things because ultimately that's going to pay us a way forward to those children. Yeah. Uh, our our young, young man went to St. Sebastian School uh, in Mudside and for many years we donated there where they at first um, refused or, you know, mm. resisted the donation. I said, no, 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 I, I'm going to donate. So it, it went over extremely well, that, so much so that they invited me back to the second event. Um, during the first event.
0: Brilliant and just on that Cahill you're underplaying just how charitable you are because your upcoming event virtually St Patrick's Day which is looks and sounds fabulous and I cannot wait to tune in on the 18th 19th and 20th of March. It is in aid of three really special charities and that is the Ashling Irish Centre in Yonkers Mm -hmm. who have been doing tireless work all this year and previous years and they're they're such a great group up there for the community and the francis pope memorial foundation and hope for the warriors so can you yes. talk to us a little bit about that event
2: barra ashling our center Francis Pope Foundation was brought to us by Hell or High Water band leader, Tom Whiff, a fabulous man who's also on the board. Tom was convinced of the ability to virtually fundraise. They were very sceptical about it. And on, at the two hour mark during their their live stream, when they had tripled their initial budget, they actually openly admitted right there and then that mm-hmm. it was a, a good thing to be part of. So, Yeah. Um, we came to know them through the conversation leading up to the event. And I said, oh, this is a charity that could benefit from this, where they help families with very, very sick young children, terrible situation to be in. And then uh, Hope for the Warriors, we were introduced to them as a fundraising event where Shillelagh Law were playing, who also one of our um, bands playing in the in the three-day festival. And they, the fundraiser was put together by Teresa Flanagan from the Breezy Point Co-op, another phenomenal woman. And the three of us collaborated and they ended up raising a considerable amount of money. I think it was over $20,000 on that fundraiser. So that was a complete success. We've had conversations with them in preparation for this and they are completely on board. We're using the open media strategy where we're going to repost this event on multiple channels. So the social engagement hopefully will be over 800,000 people when we hit uh, play.
0: And Cahal, I think this three-day virtual event is really a testament to how you have completely changed it's just ticks every box you know you have incredible bands you have all this amazing entertainment and various interactive games for anybody of any age it's going to be mighty crack and also as you say the way that it's going to be streamed across all these facebook pages and i just find it really like i would have assumed that there was some big media company behind this event and then i it's like actually it's just cal <laughs> so i i have to tip my hat to you for Thanks the way that you've yeah you've completely uh, changed your your business model almost and do you think what is your sort of thoughts going forward for the way live events and stuff do you think more events will be virtual or do, do you think when things go back to normal it'll, it'll all be back to live in-person events
2: I honestly can see, I, I keep a close watch. It's very important to keep an eye on what your competitors are doing and your peers. And I think it's honestly, Sophie, it's going to be a hybrid. I don't think there is going to be any complete reset. This reset was took place for a reason. You know, none of us mortals will quite understand that. But I think it was important. You know, I really feel for people who have had fatalities along the way. Thankfully, I, w- I was spared, but, you know... Um, I I think that it's gonna be hybrid for a long time. I think that the, the cost savings, the financial savings, the new efficiencies gained you know, all those things are going to come into play where people, certain events will re- will go back to the way they were. But I think that for the most part, it's going to be a combination of hybrid. And I can see it happening quite a lot already through LinkedIn, this sort of stuff.
0: Mm, very uh, interesting. And finally, Cahill, as the genius behind New York's premier <laughs> production company, what are your top tips and advice for our listeners who are trying to navigate their own way in New York?
2: Mm. Tricky question, but I would say just the network, the analog network, the face-to-face, the leveraging any existing relationships that you have had, the the honesty is very, very important to reach out to people and say, hey, I've got an idea for this. Because these ideas, small and crazy as they may be, actually can become something. And I'm living proof of that. And so, so don't be afraid. If you're convinced and if you believe in your idea, stick to it reach out for guidance for advice I mentor people I'm a firm believer in mentorship and um, I like to mentor if and when I can and and I like to be the recipient um, of mentorship as well so it's it's a give and take thing and that is that combination of the the analog the human aspect of it is what will help us the social the digital stuff is important it is it's difficult for some people to to learn to understand. If you don't if you don't understand it, that's okay. Reach out to someone, get advice. You know, hire them for a small portion of time until you do learn from them. Use that stepping stone to to make your next move to find out if it's work, if it's going to work for you or not. But um, you know, those new ideas are are important to because that's where you're going to put your energy and your thought and your focus into it.
0: Oh my God, Cahal, absolutely. That was a powerful answer. I couldn't have asked for a better answer. So thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to tune into Virtually St. Patrick's Day. And best of luck with all of it. And we'll get you back on the podcast soon.
2: Love it. Thanks a million, Sophie. Keep up the great work.
0: Sarah, I am absolutely thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for giving me the time. I know you're a busy lady with all of your Clover and Ivy events. So first off, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners.
3: Thank you, Sophie, for having me here. I'm so excited to be here and happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody out there. So my name is Sarah Riney and I was born in Sunnyside, Queens to Irish immigrants, and so my parents are from Clare and Kerry. I've been very fortunate to be able to go back and forth to Ireland ever since I was a child. We have a home in Sneem County, Kerry, and I have such a, a large family, so we spent a lot of summers all reconnecting back in Sneem. So from New York, at the age of seven, we moved to Kent, Connecticut. So that's where my Connecticut connection comes in. Mm-hmm. We moved up to a peony flower farm. It was also a summer camp, and that became a new home base for my two brothers and I. And we have essentially turned that property into a gorgeous retreat for Airbnb rentals. And now we do intimate weddings up there on that property. It's only two hours away from New York. So it's great for New York clients to get away and have their like dream estate wedding with a tented reception on the lake and everything. So that's been really fun to kind of share our home with other people. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's so interesting, Sarah. I love to hear about that property in Connecticut because it seems so magical. And obviously, you know me as a (laughs) bride-to-be, I'm like... Like every time we talk, we talk about weddings and I, I think it's so <laughs> it's interesting, natural. yeah. it naturally comes up. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, you've such a strong Irish connection and, yeah. you know, with your family and you visit Ireland so often, but you also have this experience of events. And yeah. so you've worked in hospitality really for a good portion of your life, right?
3: Yep. I grew up in the Irish bar and restaurant business. That's the industry that my parents got into when they came over here. So all the time in between school, I was in school for business management. That's why I studied at university. I minored in global business. I always knew that I was going to be doing something with international business. I was going to figure it out eventually, but (laughs) I (laughs) did. Yeah. So after university, I came back to New York. I worked in New York for a couple of years working in HR, which was great as it really helped develop my problem solving skills and coming up with solutions and, you know, just dealing with people, which we do a lot in the restaurant, in the restaurant or hospitality business. Anyway, you're dealing with all kinds of people. You're dealing with high pressure situations. So I've really been trained in the best situations, I think. And we have a location. So this is Molly Darcy's. We have a location in Connecticut and we had two locations in South Carolina. So when I left New York I went to work in the Charleston location and that's when I really started doing more events and we did some weddings at the bar in Charleston and that really sparked my interest to kind of move into the event planning world and you know I felt like I was finally ready I had enough experience so like everything happens for a reason that moved down to Charleston it was only for four years but it really helped set me up to where I am right now so I'm very happy with that.
0: Oh my God, I love it. And that brings me so nicely into my next question about Clover and Ivy events. Firstly, I absolutely love the name Clover and Ivy. Where did that come from?
3: I was just like researching online. I wanted something that had a nod to the Irish connection and american connection but nothing too gimmicky mm-hmm. so i was looking up irish wildflowers and i came across irish ivy and that just brought me right back to growing up in the summer and sneem all those walks that we did into town we were just surrounded by this lush irish ivy so that connected that with four-leaf clover I dropped the four leaves and it just did Clover and Ivy. And I I was like, that's it. That's the one.
0: It's amazing. Oh my God, I can't have goosebumps. Um, (laughs) So can you tell us a
3: little bit about the services that Clover and Ivy events provide? So obviously we are US-based. We are a wedding planning company. We cater to clients that are getting married in New York, Connecticut, and in Ireland. So we offer full and partial planning services based on the client requirements, mostly here for New York and Connecticut. We do a lot of outdoor weddings, tented receptions, which is something you wouldn't be able to do in Ireland with the weather. (laughs) Oh, we can do that over here. It's just really kind of custom wedding experiences. We do more in Kent, Connecticut. So it's kind of focused on that. But we're also doing weddings in Manhattan. We have some Irish people that are coming out. They want to get married in Central Park and just have that dream New York wedding. So we just started getting into that, which is so exciting. So hopefully now with end of this year, things can kind of open up more or with COVID, you know, more people get vaccinated over there. We can continue that cross-Atlantic wedding. For Ireland, we service American clients that want to get married in Ireland. So we do full wedding planning with bridal and guest concierge services. We kind of become the liaison between American clients and the Irish vendors. There is a little bit of a culture gap. So we help bridge that and we want to create like a seamless wedding planning experience for the clients and for their guests as well, because you're bringing over all these people with you and they've never been to Ireland before. Some of them, you know, they kind of need some pointers. And I was always recommending places for people to go when I was in the restaurant business. So it was kind of just natural that, okay, great. Now I can share all my favorites places with the clients and kind of bring them off the beaten path and, you know, just, and connect them with even with family and friends of my own that are in the business. So yeah. that's what I really love about doing the Irish wedding is kind of just bringing that amazing experience to our clients. And just make it really feel um, extra special for them.
0: There's no better woman to bridge that cultural gap than yourself. Because you grew up, at, your summers were spent in Ireland. But you've also been brought up in the Irish-American bar and restaurant industry in New yeah. York. And you are the perfect person in getting to know you over the last few years. I really see how clients would feel, I'm sure, like a big sense of relief when they realize that there's a business like your own. For them to go to whenever they want to plan a wedding. Either from New York to Ireland or from Ireland. Ireland Mm -hmm. to New York and I was just wondering there because there's so many things like and I've been wrecking your head talking about weddings and my wedding (laughs) not at all (laughs) no idea what's going on yeah. what do you think is important for a bride and groom you know the way and i spoke about this to katie daily um we are in a world now where everything we book everything online and yeah. everything's very you know independent nearly but there's obviously a lot of negatives to that and what do you think your service and your business can do to help people um
3: we're really just kind of a one-stop shop so you basically have your vision and what your budget is what's the most important thing for you um for the wedding for you and your fiance and- And I basically just say, okay, this is the date. And then we start with the venue search. We see what you're looking for and just pull the whole thing together for you and keep you involved in the fun process of Mm -hmm. wedding planning. So you can just go about your daily life. Nobody's fighting with anybody. (laughs) Family and fun. You're just going to be in very capable hands. You can just live stress-free. And it's just always nice to have that. We always say we're kind of like the extended part of the bridal party, but you know, we're there just to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, it's just nice to have somebody on your side that can see it all the way through.
0: Yeah, and I'm just thinking of it's somebody's big, the biggest day of someone's life. And how do you deal with the... Pressure. Not that it's all in your hands, but a lot of it is in your hands. How, yeah, how you, I mean, how there's you so cope? many
3: unknown. I'm just thinking back now, like you know, you're being asked to help look after certain family members. <laughs> you know, rely we on them. Church. Oh my God, the last wedding we did, the morning of, we're getting ready for the church, and one of the bridesmaids, her fiance, fell ill with kidney stones. So we had to like shift everything over to okay, what are we? And they're all in Ireland They're from Chicago, and it was like, how are we going to take care of this? So we got him to the hospital. make sure he was taken care of and then fiance was going to be happy and we can get the bride and groom to the church so anything can happen in the morning (laughs) kind of ready and (laughs) what's going to be thrown at you I mean the weather is always one thing you're trying to stick with your timeline and then you have life happens but it all becomes part of their wedding story and you're going to laugh about it later on so you just like take it as it comes and roll with the punches which I think the Irish are great at doing
0: <laughs> yes oh that's brilliant yeah. Sarah it's really it truly is crisis management and I think it's amazing that you have the experience and have gone through things like that so you're prepared yeah. because you know you want to keep the bride and groom um and their families happy and enjoying the fun parts as opposed yeah to, exactly
3: you know, yeah yeah you'll be checking in with the parents as well to make sure they're happy because you know it's, it involves a lot of people so yeah. you're kind of that point person in the sounding board that people can go to so it just it's definitely a a huge sense of relief which is i i think it's worth every penny absolutely yeah um,
0: and also Sarah I was just wondering what would you say because you've planned weddings both in New York Connecticut and Maryland what are some of the venues or areas or counties that really that you personally think are are the most beautiful to get married in
3: now that I'm doing more in Connecticut like I'm in the northwestern part of Connecticut and there's not like as many venues there's a lot of like outdoor venues and private homes and estates a lot of farms up there and I love that so there's Winnebien Farms it's in Morris Connecticut and you have to look it up. It's just that there's like 20 different cottages, and every cottage is made by a different architect. And it's just so much character and it really it's just kind of an out of this world experience. So I, I always like gravitate towards that. New York City, I've been looking into all these rooftops. I love the LC rooftop. You also have the boathouse as well. That's a yeah. classic. Guy Lark. There's so many great rooftops in New York if you're really looking for that classic New York feel. And if you have a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it's crazy. And then in Ireland, it's just like, I'm obviously biased with the Ring of Kerry. Of course. <laughs> We're going to be trying to bring people back to Sneem, County Kerry, where my family is from. Mm-hmm. There's Park Nassila Resort, and there's also Sneem Hotel. There's the Europe Hotel in Killarney. You have the Dingo Hotel, the Park Hotel in Kinmere. And then all around the West Coast, it's just filled with amazing venues. The Dare Manor, Ashford Castle, Valley Nahinch in, in Galway. It's oh, just God. like, yeah, there's just so much over there.
0: And what, sir are the biggest differences in an Irish wedding? and an American wedding or an Irish-American wedding? What do you say are the biggest differences?
3: Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, it's actually a less expensive to get married in Ireland. Okay. So if you're planning a destination wedding, you know, we'd definitely recommend it. I mean, the music and everything in Ireland, you can't beat it. Like the music and the crack and, you know, it's just the longer hours, you know, you do have weddings over here. They have, they tend to end at a certain time, which is why I like doing the outdoor weddings because you have flexibility. Right. So that's what I enjoy that. So if you're looking for a wedding um, where you don't have to be out by a certain time, Like I don't understand the venues that do two weddings in one day. Like it's just, it's too much pressure. And I don't think that's fair on the couple. We're putting all this money and effort into their big day. So you should have some flexibility with that. So also, Sarah, I know you are
0: you can't see into the future, but when do you think as an events planner, when do you think there'll be
3: a- any element of normality? for planning weddings both here and in Ireland? Uh, here we're going to be a little bit more ahead of the game because you know starting on March 19th they're opening up a lot more. You're seeing more 50% capacity, 100 people inside, 200 people outside for Connecticut so, and then the vaccinations have been rolling out now we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccinations coming in. There is rapid testing kits that you can provide for guests on site. So Ireland is currently at six people for weddings. You can only have six other people besides the bride and groom and besides staff. They're going to review the guidelines again in April and hopefully increase the minimum. Vaccination rollout over there is taking a little bit longer. So I would say 2022 would be a good time for Irish wedding to start back up. I think mm-hmm. this year is still, it's too soon So to, mm-hmm. the summer. We have to see how the summer goes, really.
0: I feel so sorry for brides and grooms who yeah. had to cancel. And I'm sure you've had a lot of difficult calls to make and things like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, you feel bad for the vendors over there. They're dying to get back into it again, especially with summer coming up again. So you just, you know, fingers crossed and hope for the best. Sarah, what
0: would be your top tips as a New Yorker? What would be your top tips for people who are living and working in New York and trying to navigate their way here?
3: Yes. (laughs) The first thing would be download Google Maps. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. I, yeah, I was asking my cousin, she said to please definitely mention that. That's like a lifesaver. And yeah, just be fearless. Like everybody coming to New York to live the American dream. Don't be afraid to get after it, but be fearless and just build your support network. There's so many people to you can lean on in the city between family and friends and just get out there. Once everything opens up again, take advantage of all those opportunities that are going to be arising, you know, join the, the football. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any networking groups, just connect with people.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that to be fearless and that can be like fearless in terms of your personal life and your professional life. So I think that's really, really good advice.
3: Yeah, I've definitely found it's really beneficial to talk to a career counselor or a life coach, you know, if you're trying to figure out what direction to go in.
0: Well, Sarah, you've been extremely informative. I really love to learn. Only now that I'm engaged have I really gotten so interested in the whole yeah. wedding planning area. <laughs> and you're literally an expert in it with experience in Ireland and here. And your Connecticut venue just sounds amazing. So thank you so much for your time. And before we finish, where can people find you if they want to get in touch?
3: Okay, so we have the website it is cloverandivyevents.com and we're on Facebook and, and Instagram at Clover and Ivy Events.
0: Beautiful. Sarah, yeah. thanks a million and happy st patrick's day
3: thank you so much sophie happy st patrick's day to everyone hi folks i hope you enjoyed
0: this week's episode and i just wanted to pop on quickly to say happy st patrick's day wherever you're listening from and i wanted to let you know if you're in new york about a couple of things happening this week if you want to do something to celebrate the week that's in it in a different way than we usually do so first off there's a few of us running in central park on wednesday st patrick's day the 17th as if you don't know it's the 17th but it is for the spar crack 10k in aid of the Marie curie hospital and they've asked me to be an ambassador don't know why but it's for a good cause and it's going to be a bit of crack there will be a group of us meeting on the Upper East Side at half six at the Carlo East Bar, 85th in Lexington. You are welcome to come and join us, the more the merrier. We're gonna head into Central Park. Some people are gonna do 5K, some people are gonna walk. Some of us will attempt 10K. So come along, all the information's on the Navigating New York Instagram page. There's also lots of virtual stuff going on if you wanna join in that way. And, you know, this is a good opportunity to network casually sort of with people and support good causes. So one of the things happening is the New York Irish Centre in Queens are hosting a free virtual event on St. Patrick's Day full of conversation, music and dance with special guest appearances throughout the afternoon from the front windows of the New York Irish Centre, which is in Long Island City in Queens so handy to get to and that starts at 4pm. I'll be one of their guests before the run and you can find out more on their Facebook page, New York Irish Centre. And also there is the Sober St Patrick's Day 10th anniversary celebration. They focus on changing the perception and experience of how we usually celebrate St Patrick's Day. It's their 10th anniversary. It's a virtual event. It starts at 4pm in New York. You can also tune in from Ireland at 8pm. Anyone can join. You just have to register at SoberStPatrick'sDay.org and that's again going to be filled with Irish culture music dance and arts they always showcase the best of um, arts and culture and also then the Cahill's virtually St Patrick's Day is on the 18th 19th and 20th of March and it's three evenings of music and entertainment and you can find that on Hire Twitter and Hire Facebook so I hope you do something to mark the week and enjoy St Patrick's Day some way and I will talk to you soon